appreciate David filling in, Peter. You're a good man, despite not everybody. They're doing their, um, what are they calling that thing they're doing at Bartlett today? Help is on the way. Probably need that. We're going to do it here as soon as we can work it out. But they're doing it in Bartlett. They kind of a little music Peter put together. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand and these guys will be glad to give you one. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 119. Not Psalm 1, but Psalm 119. Verse 30 is where we will be when we get there. Psalm 119, and once we get there, we'll be in verse 30. If you haven't already, I hope, if you can work it out at all, that you'll get your picture made for the directory. It really is, uh, they're nice to do every four or five years, just so we can see how we change and how much better we look. I ran into a guy this week that I went to high school with, and it's not right. He doesn't look near as old as I. How many have ever seen it on TV, one of these, uh, the attorney, uh, John Michael Bailey? See, early in the morning, especially if you're at the hospital for some reason, uh, when you're, I spend a lot of time at the hospital, and when you're at the hospital early in the morning waiting for tests or other things to go on, and all these John Michael Bailey uh, ads come up, and I figured out why. I went to high school and junior high with John Michael Bailey, and every time I feel really bad, here's his picture there on the screen, and so he was lucky to get out of high school, much less be an attorney. I don't know how all that worked out, but Mary and I were somewhere one day. We, we went to high school together, and also junior high, even though we didn't know each other then, but everybody knew John Bailey. John Bailey spent more time in the principal's office the principal did, and I, I don't know where we were, but I said, Mary, look, here's John Bailey. And she looked at her, she goes, it's a lot younger than you. I said, yeah, and he's just attorney. Look what you got. She said, don't remind me. All right, Psalm 119. Anybody found that? We had one of our sweet granddaughters spend the night with us last night. And every time she spends the night, about 4.30 in the morning, you can expect to hear this. Woo! And she lands in the middle of your bed. So we decided last night to avoid that. We just let her sleep with us. Well, that was okay when we were 35 years old. It ain't so cool now. Getting kicked in the face and, you know, we want to snore. And she, Stop it, Grandy. Mary doesn't do that. Slaps me. So this morning at breakfast, had the newspaper out, and, and you, know, you get all those ads in the newspaper, and Mary had those laying out, and Emerson flipping through them going, I want this. I want that. I want this. Mary goes, Emerson, that's $350. Emerson, that's $500. So like a playground thing for the backyard, and a swimming, small swimming pool thing for the backyard, and something else for the backyard. And all of them were $350 to $500. And after about five of them, Emerson said, stop, Grammy. I want it. And I said, boy, some guys really look forward to it. Stop, I want it. Doesn't matter what it costs, I want it. I think sometimes God looks at us and says, hey, count the cost. We don't do that. We're going to look at that today and over the next few weeks. We're going to look at this idea of counting costs, the idea of being free in Jesus Christ. You'll notice on your handout, this little series we're beginning, it's going to, I'm going to call it Free Indeed. And what we're going to look at today is that we're free to choose from Psalm 119. The theme verse is there on your outline, John 8, 36. Jesus Christ spoke these words. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, obviously referring to himself, if the Son of God makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Inherent in that statement, and especially if you read the context in which Jesus spoke it, but inherent in that statement and in his life and all that Jesus said, inherent in that is the words, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed, that he offers a different kind of freedom. And if you read the context, and we're not going to do it today, but if you go read John chapter 8 leading up to these words, Jesus was speaking to the Jewish leaders and saying to them, you're slaves to sin. I am the truth. If the truth sets you free, you've heard me quote many times, you shall be free indeed. And therefore, if the Son makes you free, who is the truth, you shall be free indeed. And their response, and they were the elite religious leaders of the world, their response was, we're children of Abraham. We've never been slaves of anyone. What are you talking about? 
They didn't get it. Jesus said it's not about physically being a slave. It's that you're still in slavery and to sin. It dominates you. It owns you by definition. If you are its slave, it owns you. So then he says, but the son will set you free from that bondage. You shall be free indeed. A unique freedom that only Jesus Christ can offer. Theologically, you'll hear it put this way. We're free from the, and you can tell a preacher did this after you hear it. We're free from the penalty of sin. In other words, Jesus redeems us, called justification. You're born again. You're, you are redeemed, freed from the penalty of sin. Jesus paid the penalty at Calvary. You're born again. So when you die because you have faith in Jesus Christ, you follow him, you spend eternity in heaven as opposed to hell. He paid the penalty for your sin. He took your hell for you at Calvary if you're born again. You are justified, declared righteous, freed from the penalty of sin. You're also freed from the power of sin. See the preacher thing coming in. I hear the alliteration. You're freed from the power of sin. It does not have to dominate you anymore. When you're a slave to sin, it owns you. You only live for self-pride, which is the essence of sin, and it controls and dominates you. It's about me. That's what sin is. Why did Adam and Eve sin in the first place? Because Satan convinced them, if you do this, disobey God, sin, if you disobey God, you'll be like him. Now, he didn't use that term because he's slick. He said, God just doesn't want you to really be happy, really know what's going on. So that's why he told you not to eat fruit. They chose sin because they looked at it and it looked good. Looked like it would taste good. Looked like it would really be good for them. And despite the fact God said, just don't eat it. Play soccer with it. Do whatever you want to. Golf. Handle it. Do whatever you want to with it. Just don't eat it. They did anyway. Why? Because it was about them, not about listening to God. So the essence of all sin is it's about me. Well, when Jesus sets you free, it's a unique freedom. He gives you eternal life, which nobody else can, nothing else can, no set of rules and regulations. Nothing can give you eternal life except the freedom Christ offered because he paid for it. You owe a debt. You can't pay. He paid it for you, and you are stamped, paid in full. He said on the cross, it is finished. You're freed from the penalty of sin. Secondly, you're freed from the power of sin. It does not have to dominate you. Notice the title of today's message. You're free to choose. As a freed man, you now have a choice. Roman, we'll look at this passage in the next couple of weeks in Romans. It says you could choose. Your former master is still around. How many of you did not sin this week? Okay, well, perfect. How many of you didn't sin today? I have. I, I sin because I'm a sinner. But I don't, I can choose. I don't have to. I have an option. I'm free from the power of sin. It no longer owns me. Prior, it was my master. It owned me. Now my master Christ. I've been freed. Talk more about that in a moment. And finally, ultimately, that's called, by the way, sanctification. Justification penalty, sanctification power. And ultimately, you'll be freed from the very presence of sin. That's called glorification. You will die one day and go to heaven. Or Jesus will come back and take us all home. But we will go to the eternal state. We will go to heaven. We will go to paradise, a place with no sorrow, no tears, no dying, no mourning, no, no death, uh, no sin. Paradise. By the way, that's what Adam and Eve had, and they lost it. Jesus regained it for us. Paradise lost, paradise gained. Jesus gives us what they lost for us, the Garden of Eden. We get that in Christ, so you're free from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and ultimately one day you'll go to a place where there is no sin. You'll be freed from the very presence of it. You will be eternally the presence of the Lamb of God, the light of the world, your Savior, your groom. We are his bride. That's the kind of freedom he offers. So today... We go from slaves of God, I mean slaves of sin, to slaves of God. Look at Romans 6 there on your handout. We're, gonna, we're not going to 
exegete these passages today. I just wanted you to see it in the next couple of weeks begin to look. Having been set free from sin, born again in Christ, you became slaves of righteousness. You were owned by sin. You are now owned by righteousness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, when sin owned you, it owned you. God did not. <clears throat> but now having been set free from sin, having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. And that's what we just talked about. It's a three-tenths justification, sanctification, glorification. You have been set free. You were set free. You are being set free. You will be set free in Christ. So your desire is to be holy. That's why Peter says, quoting the Old Testament, be holy because I, God, am holy. That is our goal to set apart unto righteous. That's who we are in Christ. And ultimately, eternal life, we go to heaven. It's a term you see used throughout the New Testament. Paul uses it on a regular basis to refer to himself. He says, I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful term, and here's what it means. I am a servant or a slave of Jesus Christ by choice. Nobody makes me. I want to. I want to serve Christ. I want to be owned by him. I want to be his slave cause of all that he's given to me. That's what the freedom is. And that's what we're really going to talk about today. So Galatians 5 says, again, there on your handout, says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. In other words, live your life in the freedom of Christ. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. What is this freedom? Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Don't go back to somebody's legalism. Don't be wrapped up in bondage. You were already there. You've been set free. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We're free to choose righteousness. Notice no, now, uh, 2 Corinthians, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We are free to choose. I'm going to serve Christ, I'm gonna, or I'm going to serve sin. We're also free to choose to serve each other. Choose in the body of Christ to love and to serve each other. Do it. And here's the key to understanding all that we're going to be talking about. We serve God, bond servant of Christ, and we serve each other because we want to, not because somebody makes us. We want to, not because somebody guilts us into doing. We want to because we love God, because we love each other, not because somebody talk us into it. Somebody made us feel guilty or it's my duty. We do it out of desire, not duty. We do it out of want to, not have to. Years ago, in the book of Puritan prayers I have was reading and there was two of them that just stood out to me and I want to read them to you. Very brief. Quote, grant me never to lose sight of the exceeding sinfulness of sin, the exceeding righteousness of salvation, the exceeding glory of Christ, the exceeding beauty of holiness, and the exceeding wonder of grace. I never want to lose sight where I was as a sinner, who I am as a sinner, yet who I am, Christ, and that God by grace saved me. I never want to lose sight of that. That's, that was prayer. Should be our prayer. The exceeding beauty of holiness, being like Christ, and the wonder of grace. God would do this for me when I did not deserve it. Think about Adam and Eve again for just a moment. Where did they live? Was it a tough hood? Did they have to, they worked, but was it hard? No, it was fruitful. It, they worked and lived in paradise. It was Eden. It was incredible. God gave them that, gave them one restriction, and they disobeyed. Now, for a moment, if you or I were God at that point, what might we do? Yes, I've had it. I gave, you all, I gave you all of this, and I asked you just not to eat one fruit, and you can't even do that? You ever felt that way with your children? 
No, but that's not what God did. He provided atonement, provided covering, picking what Jesus one day for all our sins. He provided way, pay their sin, debt they had just heard. Rather than just wiping them out, provided incredible grace. Grace, God, giving I not and mercy in what I do. What did Adam and Eve deserve? God had said, if you eat that fruit, you will surely what? What did they deserve? They deserved to die. And that literally means separated from God. But ultimately, they did die. But God provided a way they didn't have to die spiritually. He provided atonement. What do you and I deserve as sinners? We deserve death. But Jesus rose from the dead so that we don't have to die. He provided redemption. One other prayer for this book. I am guilty, but pardoned. I am lost, but saved. I am wandering, but found. I am sinning, but cleansed. Give me perpetual brokenheartedness. Keep me always clinging to thy cross. Just constantly, I want to have before a broken heart so that I will serve you. Not sad, joyful in the fact God has saved me and God has given me a life to live for him. All right, turn to Psalm 119, if you haven't already, verse 30. And I want us to look briefly at what it means to be free to choose. Giving you this background, which we'll flesh out more in the weeks to come, I want to just kind of walk through these verses in Psalms. First of all, number one, we are free to choose the way of truth. Now, if you've been around me any length of time at all, and even if you hadn't, if you spent any time with me at all, you're going to know, ultimately, we're going to get around to this question of truth. I was standing in the lobby of this building this week. We have all kinds of people come through here on, on a daily basis. There's daycare and aftercare here, and there's just stuff going on all the time. I'm just standing out in the lobby being goofy as I am wont to do. And the person that I was talking to had no idea I was past church. A guy up here in T-shirts and shorts hanging out. So I'm standing at the counter, and this guy's coming in to get his child. And we just, you know, I strike up conversations with people because I, Paul and I had a nice conversation. Very interesting. I'll talk to anything, anybody, anytime. We just started talking. And somehow the subject of the Bible came up. Again, he didn't know who I was. And I said, well, what do you think of it? He goes, I'm not, I'm not really, I, I, I don't know. And I said, well, what if I could prove to you that it's true? And now he's looking at me like, wow. I said, what if I could prove to you it's truth? He goes, well, I'd make a big difference. And so, we, you know, I knew he was in a hurry, so I didn't take a lot of his time. For about 10 to 15 minutes, I gave him just a few examples out of the Bible, simple little things that I believe are the beginning of legitimate. When you read this book, you're reading truth. Now, what are you going to do with it? And that's kind of what him. That's the whole point. What are you going to do with it? Because that's ultimately what it comes down to. What's the truth? That's all I want to know as a human being. By the way, go back to the Garden of Eden one more time. What was the first question Satan asked Eve? Has God truly said? In other words, really the truth? We ever done, have we ever done that with God? Do we ever do that with God as society? You better believe we do. So you come back to the word of God, and if it is true, then we are ultimately responsible to it. Because whether you like it or not, truth is truth. That's why Jesus said, I am the truth. That's why he said, when I set you free, you'll be free indeed. Not like anybody else. I'm different. So as a Christian, one who believes the Bible is true, one who has been born again, one who is a child of God, I'm free now. And the first thing I'm free to do is to choose the way of truth. I'm going to live my life based on what is the truth. Not what somebody's opinion is, not what somebody wants me to do, but and not what my sin nature wants me to do, but what is the truth. Look at verse 30, 119, verse 30. I have chosen the way of truth. I've chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. First thing I want you to notice is verse 30. I have chosen. I love this. 
Because so many times people look at Christians, and that happened to me back in college. I was talking to uh, my son this week. He was going to the University of Memphis and talking about when I was there and, and uh, some of the stuff that went on. I was there from 72 to 76, some of the stuff that went on back then and the challenges of being a college student, even back then. as a And I was married for the last three years. And, but as a college student and as uh, a, a Christian and one who's trying to live for God, and, you know, I'd only been saved a couple of years and people, professors and others, would challenge those of us who said we're Christian, accuse us of being stupid and ignorant and illiterate and not having a brain. And I'm thinking, he may be right. So I began to examine it for myself. And it's important to understand that's what's going on right here. The psalmist is saying, I have chosen. The Hebrew there is, means this, I've looked. I've examined all the options, I've counted the costs, I've looked at what's out there, and I've opted for what? Look at verse 30 again. I have chosen. What did he opt for? The way of what? In other words, this is not a blind leap in the dark. This is not stupidity. It is an intelligent, well-thought-out examination where I've looked at what's out there. And, I, and this is what I began to do in college. I began to look at, at all the comparative religions and the options that were out there. And then I came back to the fact Jesus Christ, exactly who he said he was. He's truth. So if he's the truth, I'm going to follow him. And ultimately, it led me to where I am today. I have chosen the way of truth. That's what the psalmist is saying. I've chosen the way of truth. I've examined all my options. It's an intelligent choice, and I choose to follow Christ. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, one of my favorite characters, example in the Bible, is Joshua. We used to have this on our house in Bartlett, Platon. Some of you have got it on your house. I don't know what happened. We moved. We lost ours. So we get another one. That famous verse where Joshua's got the nation together, and he's basically, I'm going to paraphrase, and I'm going to quote. Basically, he says, hey, boys. It's time to, to man up. Make up your mind. What are you going to do? And here's what he says. Quote, choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You've got to make up your mind. If I'm a Christian, then I follow the way of truth. There's no other option. If you don't, then you need to examine your life. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. Examine your heart. See if you are in the faith. Is this important to me? I have chosen. Joshua said, I don't care what you guys choose. He did care, Randy. But he did say to them, you got to make up your mind. Choose this day. Who are you going to serve? It's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He chose the way of truth. Look at verse 30. Look, I've described the way of truth. Your judgments I've laid before me. Verse 31, I cling to your testimonies. Verse 32, I will run the course of your commandments. So what's the way of truth? God's judgments, God's testimonies, God's commandments. It's discernment. It's wisdom. It's what is right or wrong. I am free in Christ to choose to follow the way of truth. God's way. It's what he's laid out. I have chosen. It's really interesting. And by, by, by and large, obviously we have the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts and convicts us, leads us. But by and large, I can find out the way of truth simply by studying the Bible. So what does God say about this? What's God's principle about this? What would God have me do? And then I make a decision. I'm free to choose. We're free moral agents with an intellect. Who am I going to follow? Am I going to follow my former master, sin, or am I going to follow Jesus Christ, the way of truth? Really interesting. Look at verse 30. It says, I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments. Now look at the next phrase. I have laid before me. It's really cool in Hebrew. The idea here in Hebrew is I've laid it out before me, and literally what it means is, is you've got a map. You've laid it out there, and you're trying to get from point A to point B, and you've laid out the map before you, and you're going to follow the map from A to B. And what is he saying? How am I going to get from A to B? My goal is B, and I'm at A. How am I going to get to B? By following what way? 
the way of truth. If I want my life to mean something, to stand for something, to be a significant life, not just exist for myself, but if I want to be what God wants me to be, I have to follow the way of truth, and that will get me from A to B. You'll see that emphasized again later. Verse 31, he says, I cling to your testimonies. Great word. In Hebrew, it means you take two things, two separate entities, you glue them together, and it creates a third entity, which can never be separated into two separate entities again. Another place this word is used is a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and she'll become one, talking about marriage. Same word. What he's saying here is, I cling to your testimonies. I take me, I, I'm, this is me, this is your testimonies, Lord. I cling to those, that's who I am now. My identity is I'm a Christian, not Randy Lockley, human being living for himself, but Randy Lockley, child of God, born again, Christian, who is unique in his personality and in his individuality, but above all is a child of God. Same thing is true for you, whoever you might be. You're an individual. Even if you're an identical twin, you're an individual. But once you're born again, God says, you're mine, you're mine. Cling to my testimonies. Follow the way of truth. Notice the end of verse 31. It's a beautiful picture. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. Do you see that the, uh, at the end of verse 31, the exclamation point? Does anybody see that? Well, you wait. You see verse 31? All right. At the end of it, there's an exclamation point. You know what he's saying there? I've chosen to follow the way of truth. I'm clinging to your testimonies. I believe with all my heart, God, that your way is the only way. And then here's what he says at the end. O Lord, don't put me to shame. In other words... I'm counting on you and nothing else, and if you don't come through, I don't make it. I love that, because that's what faith is in Christ. When I die, and I stand before God, and he's going to say, all right, Rando, why do I let you into heaven? It's the only thing I got. He's going to say, Lord, I ain't got anything. I, all I got is Jesus. Oh, good, you're in. But then if you go up and say, well, you know, I, I, I'm cool. Uh, I went to church all the time. I even worked. For, uh, I gave money. A decent, you know, I stayed married to the same woman in life. I'm just kidding. You know, I did everything he told me to do, by, by and large. I just never got that saved. You know, I just never trusted his. I, just, I had it. I got it. Guess what? Make any difference. Be a goat. Be separated. The only thing I've got to cling to is the cross of Jesus. Same thing. It does not matter how good you are. If you don't know Jesus, you don't go to heaven. I don't care who you are. Why is that true? Because we're all sinners. Who's the only one that ever lived on this planet or ever will live on this planet that did not commit a sin? Not the guy my wife was supposed to marry. Who? Jesus Christ. That's it. He's the only one. So that's what this verse is saying. Lord, I trust you. And if you can't get me in, I don't have any hope. I love that verse of 1 Corinthians. It says that's exactly what it says. 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, we're wasting our time. Your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And the very next verse says, but now Christ is risen. That's why we have hope. That's why this is true, because he rose from the dead. I'll run the course. Look at verse 32. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart beautiful picture that literally means in hebrew you'll give me wisdom every time i need it understanding infinite wisdom is available to me infinite understanding is available to me hope that's not me infinite wisdom is available to me in christ don't worry about it we're all gonna be okay i'm gonna have a headache but we're gonna be okay infinite wisdom is available to me in christ that ultimately leads to joy joy Every time I need it. Let me read you a quote from 1 Kings. God, there we go, that's all I need. God gave Solomon wisdom and exceeding great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand. There is a God. On the seashore. Okay, maybe not. He has a sense of humor anyway. Please listen to this. Don't let that distract you. Solomon's, not like it's going to distract me, right? Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than all men. The exact same Hebrew phraseology. It says he gave Solomon a large heart. 
What it means is it gave him all the wisdom he could ever need. You see what it says there in Psalms? That's available to you and to me. Wisdom. You know why? Because God is the same yesterday and forever. The same God that dealt with Solomon is your God. The same Holy Spirit. It's always been God. The omnipresent Holy Spirit is here in our midst today. It's in our lives, Christians, and he offers wisdom. Understanding that will give you all joy. Everything you need to have joy in life. The picture here is that you are committed to something that's true. In Philippians, Paul said these words. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, we'll stop there. And he's saying, so you work, say, stop there. But listen to the next verse. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Here's the picture. I'm committed to the way of truth. I choose it. I cooperate with the Holy Spirit. That's what commitment. I commit myself to what God is trying to do in my life, and then I work with him. Give me an example. How many of you ate breakfast morning? All right. Anybody eat ham and eggs? Has anybody ever eaten ham and eggs? I know Chris Brown has. He's not in the room. If you've ever eaten breakfast, let's say everybody for breakfast this morning had ham and eggs. All right? Let's say that. I had ham and eggs. Very good. That's what you had for breakfast. Once you get a mental picture, the ham's on your plate. I love ham, by the way. The ham's on your plate, and the, man, I'm getting, I'm salivating. Good thing we're going to eat on the parking lot here in a few minutes. So you got ham on your plate, and you got eggs. I love fried eggs over easy, but I love them. So you got ham, ham, ham on your plate and eggs on your plate, all right? That's your breakfast. That's laid out before you. Let me ask you a question. What contribution did the chicken make to that breakfast? Made a contribution, right? What did the pig give? Gave his life. Pig made a commitment. The chicken gave something. You see the difference? The pig gave his life. The chicken gave an egg. You know what? That's a stupid illustration. Boy, it mentally helps me. I'm stupid. God's saying, I don't want just an egg, Randy. I want you. I want life. I just don't want money. I want you. And if I get you, guess what I'll also get? I'll get your eggs. I'll get your money. I'll get your time. I'll get your talent. But first and foremost, I want you. We're going to stop here today because a couple of things I want to do. But here's what I want you to, here's what I want us to end with. Look up at the screen. When everybody look up at this, you are free to choose. When God saved you, he didn't take away your brain. Matter of fact, he gave you your brain to use it for him. You're free to choose whichever way you want to go. You can choose the way of truth or you can choose the opposite. What's the opposite of truth? It's deception, lies. It's what Satan did in the Garden of Eden. He's the ultimate liar, the ultimate deceiver, and he convinced Adam and Eve the better way. And every day, human beings are living their lives convinced there's a better way. I got it. Than following Christ. And the sad thing is they'll live their whole lives, they'll stand before Jesus one day, and they'll realize there's only one way. Jesus said that. You will be judged by my words. And one of his words were, I'm the only way. I'm the only way. You could choose anything else you want. You're free to do that. You do not the way of truth. You will be deceived, and you'll ultimately turn it separate from God. It doesn't have to be that way. Jesus paid the penalty to set you free. So here's my challenge. If you're born again, follow the way of truth. If you're not, examine it. And tell me another way. There is I'd love to hear it. You bow your heads, please. Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ not only came, he willingly came, willingly died, willingly sacrificed, gave his blood that I could be saved, that we could be saved. I pray that would be where we are. We're born again. But then, Lord, I pray we'd challenge to live according to the way of truth. We would always live according to the word of God, follow it. And, Lord, if somebody here today that's not saved, this would be their moment to say, Lord, please forgive me. Save me like that for the cross. Remember me, Lord, because Jesus' response will be with me. We thank you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name.